Hey there, welcome to another episode of Teams at Work. My name is Daria Gutnick, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Bunch. I'm co-hosting the show with Anthony Rio, who is also my co-founder and our COO. We are on a mission to help anyone become a great leader. And together with our team, we're building an AI leadership coach to achieve exactly that. This podcast is for a new generation of leaders. Every episode, we talk to an inspiring guest who is running a high-performance team or a company to learn about their journey and what they do in their day-to-day to be an effective leader. So no matter if you're leading a team already or simply interested in becoming more effective at work, you can build your leadership skills by investing as little as two minutes a day with our AI leadership coach. If you're curious, download it for free on the Apple App Store today by simply searching Bunch Leadership Coach. Your journey starts with a quick assessment of what kind of leader you are today, and then you will receive personalized daily leadership tips to help you grow faster into the leader you want to become tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of Teams at Work. Today, we are chatting with Constanza Buchheim, founder of the executive search consultancy iPotentials. For 15 years, Constanza has been building and transforming teams in the German and European startup ecosystem, which is where we actually met. She's been named one of the 50 most influential women in German business by Boston Consultant Group and Manager Magazine, and in 2020 was also selected by Focus Magazine as one of the 100 women of the year. She knows how crucial it is firsthand, how crucial it is to find the right people, and shares loads of actionable tips on what to look for, and more importantly, how to understand yourself and your team to get it done right. This episode really is a must listen for anyone who wants to scale their impact. So let's get right into it. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Teams at Work. I'm here with Constanza Buchheim. Hey, Constanza. Hi. Happy to be here. How are you doing today? Very good. Very good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. And I'm very excited to be doing this with you. And I can't wait to dive into all things leadership, but I think, um, you know, the, I mean, the last conversation we had, I think a couple of months ago, it was obviously very inspiring. We dove into how do you measure leadership? How do you, how do you, I think, reconcile the old world of leadership with the new world? So I, in general, I'm just kind of really excited to dive in again with you here and spend a couple of minutes. But I, I do think the, um, the best way to begin would be to just ask you sort of the basic question, which would be, you know, our audience is obviously very interested in this. In your opinion, what is a good leader? What is leadership and what is a good leader? <laughs> Well, we could fill the whole week with this question. I'm trying to be quick. First of all, leadership for me is all about responsibility. So taking responsibility and enabling others to take responsibility. So you could think of leadership in any sort of institution or topic. And uh, for me, it's always about responsibility. In terms of leading people, uh, it's, it has a lot to do with giving direction and enable an organization to go into one direction together. And do you have any sort of like role model role model leaders that you've been, uh, you know, using as uh, North Stars or role models in your career? Well, not really in my career, but I'm really, really, really impressed pressed by those leaders who were able to be the representative of a topic they really believed in and who really gave their whole power and energy to move forward in this topic. Yeah, like leaders who really had a mission 
and lived that mission and brought people to follow because this is all about leadership. Yeah, it's it's leading in a topic, representing a topic, and yeah, having followers for this topic. And I'm talking of leaders like Nelson Mandela, who I'm really impressed by uh, by him, like really believing in a change that is needed not only for him but for a whole nation yeah being ready to go into jail for 27 years and then coming out of jail and being a real leader in terms of maturity in terms of okay everyone would have expected that he is like full of anger full of whatever but instead he took like really really reasonable and responsible action in terms of not doing what everyone expected him in terms of emotions, but doing different things, doing things together, black and white people, yeah, integrating. And that was just mature. And this is what I really, I'm really excited about when I see strong leaders. They're taking mature action, responsible action, they are not following their own emotions. And that's what's really impressing me. Yeah. And I know we talked a lot about that last time. And I, I um, definitely have some follow-up questions on, I guess, that topic of sort of mature leadership. But I know you're also steeped in some really important frameworks there. But I'd love to ask, before we dive into like, we go really deep, how did you even get into this whole topic, this whole field, this whole area of you know leadership, management, talent, soft skills? Like, How did you get into all this? Yeah, so I basically started my career in a startup, Spreadshirt, which was one of the German role models in the internet uh, e-commerce world. And I was really impressed by the culture the founder built there. And he always said, and this is what I learned as well being there, he said, okay, there are like three or four competitors in the market doing exactly the same having exactly the same amount of money. And what's the only difference that we have is the people we have, the talent we have, and the way we interact with each other, so to say, the culture that we are using to create a difference. And uh, what turned out is that Spreadshirt, who really focused on creating a really good culture and uh, strong interaction of the of the team members, they really made it, yeah, and we're really able to build a strong brand. And I was so impressed by the power of people. And even though we put a lot of stress on self-responsibility and self-reliability, because this is what startups basically need, right? It was obvious that strong leadership was really needed to create that culture. And yeah, at that point, I saw the impact leadership and culture can have on companies, on making ideas become reality. And this really impressed me and created my passion because I said, okay, if, if we want to, if we have great ideas for that moment, it's just an idea. And it's really about, as I said, creating a movement. So having the strong idea giving the strong direction of an idea and creating followership. So people are saying, yes, that's my idea as well. And I'm with you. And this is what I don't like about this followership concept, because I don't 
think it's about following. I think and I believe it's about doing it together because we all believe in this kind of idea, the idea of the mission is about. Yeah. So that was the origin. Yeah. And I, I really love people. So I'm a people person. I love to connect. I love to talk. <laughs> I love to inspire. So leadership is just my topic. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And obviously that's how we got connected. And um, we've actually been connected funny enough for a couple of years, right? Like I remember iPotentials three or four years ago, we were working together on some team and leadership topics and and here we are again, four years later down the road. So you really do believe in this sort of intersection of, or the connection between the leaders and the culture, right? It sounds like. Absolutely. I mean, culture, you can have several ideas on culture, yeah? And all of them might be true. For me, culture is the way we interact, yeah? And the way we make sure that we know how to act to make sure we reach our goal and making sure that everyone is on the same page on that is a leadership task that really starts with recruiting. It actually, it starts with defining the value we want to create in the market. Yeah. Understanding what's the value we want to create, translating this into, okay, what should be really essential in our core drivers in the company and translating these core drivers, not only into recruiting, which most people forget, but also into interaction principles that we are really clear about to make sure that we are only hiring people who believe in the same value that we want to create. So I don't have to push them towards this value because if they believe in the same value, they will have an inner incentive yeah, to create that. And if we are creating a clear space, a clear room and clear rules for interaction, then I can, as I always say, let them go surf. So if I'm making sure I have a clear expectation management, I have clear values, I have clear goals, I'm recruiting on this. And I'm creating this space as a leadership team, then I can let the people go serve. Yeah, cool. Cool. And I love that phrase. I think it could mean obviously many things on a day to day basis, but it's got this just autonomous ring to it, right? Like pick something up and go do it. Do you think, um, and I want to touch on leadership and culture all separately, but you have brought it up already. And I know you have extensive experience here in the recruiting space and in the talent space in general, but like, I know from our previous conversations, you do believe, you know, wholeheartedly that this is one of the biggest levers that we have to kind of create the cultures and organizations that really are aligned, but also thrive in the market. Like, tell me a little bit more about maybe how you concretely discovered recruiting being sort of this lever and why you believe it so much. And of course, we can get into obviously your tips and tricks on how to do it well. But like, how did you discover this? Ooh, good question. So... Basically, I really tried to get a lot of feedback from candidates and try to understand what is motivating a candidate today to join a company or not. What is, in general, most important for them? Because there are a lot of studies about Generation Z and Generation Y and all those things and what is motivating them. 
and they're differing and they're giving so many answers that this really doesn't help. So I digged really into that and tried to find it out and saw that there are like basically two trends that we see. One trend is the trend that is affecting the companies. So the companies really have to, in order to be able to adjust to what we need today in the market, they need to be able to adapt quickly and react quickly Mm -hmm. on what customers ask them. So we need a, a really great customer orientation and ability to react on the market. And this requires us as leaders in companies that we give power to the people, that we enable our teams to take action and take decisions, which means we need to move responsibility from leadership and management to the employees, so to say. That's one part. The other part, the other trend that I saw, and that is more on the candidate side, was that I saw, okay, what do people optimize on? And what I learned is that people optimize on the thing that is the scarce resource. Because obviously only what's scarce needs to be optimized, right? So looking at different nations, looking at different stages a society can be in, that's different. Yeah. So in a developed country like Germany, the resource that's the scarcest is time. And thinking about this even more, the scarcest resource is not only time, it's lifetime. And understanding that gave me really an aha moment because I understood, okay, what people are asking today is they're asking leaders to take responsibility for their lifetime. So if they're asking for development, they're asking for, can you tell me what I can do to become the best version of myself to use my lifetime to the best. Do you take responsibility for that? Or are you as a leader only following your own ego-oriented goals of making money? And this is what people assess. And they want to take action. They want to be in control of their life because they want to create it. So they want to have more control they want to have more responsibility and that's basically coming together so this is what i realized that we as companies need to give more responsibility to people and people want more responsibility so what's our goal or what's our task as leaders is to create a leadership system that's bringing this together so we need to move away from pure delegation and pure management to a system where we are able to give people the space that we all need. And in most discussions, I only heard people thinking about leadership in this situation. So what do we have to do once people are there that they are doing what is needed for them and us? But If you're thinking about this lifetime discussion that I just gave, this would mean I would have to 
change people. So I would have to come to them and say, okay, that's great what you are doing, but in order to be fitting to the role, you need to change like that. And that's the moment when people say, yeah, but that's not me. And this worked earlier, but that's not working in a situation where people are asking for lifetime optimization. So recruiting has to come into the equation. So we have to make sure that we are recruiting not only the right skills, but the right personality and the right attitude in order to avoid that we are we have to talk to people and say, yeah, you did a great job in terms of abilities and skills, but in terms of personality, I need to see something different. That's not working anymore. So we have to get recruiting. I know long answer, but we have to get recruiting into the equation of, of leadership because we can and don't want to change people anymore. I love that. I mean, I, I always think it's amazing when people can tie the big picture to the everyday and you've sort of really just done that for me. But I think that let's like, let's start right then and there, and then let's walk through this journey, right? So at the recruiting point, what can a hiring manager do tactically speaking today to make sure they're obviously, you know, they're maximizing or doing their best to find, I mean, in the end, it is a match, right? You're saying you're, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm paraphrasing this wrong, but you're, you have these people out in this world that want to be themselves and want space and want development in the direction they want to develop, or at least what they understand they want to develop in. And then you have companies saying, you know, we need X, Y, and Z. And then I guess we're trying to maximize that overlap where the interests are aligned. But I mean, walk me through whether or not you think I'm correct here, but also what can we do today to really do that well? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, it's understanding that recruiting is not only about skills and abilities and tasks. So first of all, it's about understanding if you really want to define a position you are hiring for, you have to think about the tasks, the role, and talking about the role, there are three different roles. So you can recruit a specialist, a manager, or a leader. Yeah, Those are the three roles you have in a company. And what most people do is they are not really clear about who they are hiring if they're recruiting a specialist, a management, or a leader. And what is really interesting is that most people don't even get the difference between management and leadership. So that's really important. And if you want to differentiate between these roles, it's really easy. You can say a specialist is working in the company, bringing in his or her abilities and skills and knowledge. A manager is working on the company, but with an internal perspective. So they're kind of managing, organizing, structuring the specialist's work. A leader is working on the company as well, but with an outer perspective. So they are focusing on the market. They are defining and seeing the market. They're defining the challenges and they can see where we have to aim to. They give the direction and they get yeah, difficulties out of the way. So there are the three roles. And we have to think about, do we need to hire a specialist, a manager, or a leader? And that's the role. And the third thing is that we have to be really clear about the company culture and what this means for the attitude a candidate has to bring to the table. So it's really we really need to be clear here. 
And most hiring managers only define the tasks that need to be done because obviously that's the pain and forget the others. But we recruit people for skills and we fire them for personality and non-cultural fit. So we have to take that into, into the equation. And this is point one. Yeah. So really make sure you're facing these three areas and that you're defining it. Point two, if you realize you cannot define it because it's not clear what we are aiming for. Yeah. If we are aiming for, let's say, quantity or quality, or if we didn't understand as a company what's the value we create and what's the attitude we need there for. Yeah. I have as a manager, I have to talk to my leaders and say, we're not clear about that, or at least I'm not clear about that. Can you help me? And that's your task as a manager, then ask the leaders to fulfill their role as the ones who give the direction. And if the direction is not clear, you will not be able to recruit a great team that's in line with what we created. This is the reason why I say leadership is the translator of the customer value that we create and the culture that we live. If this translation is not defined, the hiring manager or the recruiter can't work. And third thing, if that's clear, recruiting actually is pretty easy because then you know where to target, you know the target group, you know which people to talk to, and then actually recruiting is pretty easy. But as most people don't do that, Recruiting is getting really, really, really hard because we don't know where to look for. And then once someone is hired, third thing, what really is important is excellent expectation management. So in order to be able to align the people who join a company with the goal a company has, it's really, really, really important to do excellent expectation management because what's our goal? We want to be satisfied, not only satisfied, we want to be delighted. And our team members have the expectation to be delighted in order to stay in the company. And that's our goal. So it should not be our goal just to satisfy each other. It should be our goal to delight each other. What's the concept behind that? The concept behind satisfaction and delightment is a comparison between what I was told, so expectations, and what I got, reality. And our goal as managers and leaders is to make sure we bring this really close together, don't promise anything that we can't deliver, be really clear about what's there, be really clear about what's expected, both sides, not only one side, that's really important in digital age, both sides, and once we we're really clear about what we expect. Understand your role in the role of making sure the team is able to perform on that and enablement. And that's basically what we have to do. Yeah, I mean, sounds easy, but in, in the daily doing, that's the hard part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, love it. And obviously, extremely, extremely actionable uh nugget there on the specialist and it's it's interesting because it, in the end these are three terms that obviously i know well 
obviously I've heard them before, but the way you just said them makes me think about things very differently in terms of you actually have three roles. You have a specialist, a manager, and a leader, and how you defined them was crystal clear. And it's just, uh, of course, I understand all the three concepts in isolation. I even understand them together, but in the way you just described them, they're extremely powerful and extremely actionable for everyone to just ask themselves. So very insightful. And then, of course, on expectation management, I actually wanted to go right there afterwards because now the recruiting step is sort of covered in a way. We have Constance's thoughts on recruiting, which are amazing. Once someone's in the company, it is about expectation management, right? And I would love to know any tips or tricks on sort of like, as I guess someone in the company, as a manager or as a leader, or as a hiring manager, or as a leader, like, what can we do to try and narrow that gap between what you're telling and what you're delivering? Obviously, as you said, it sounds simple, but very hard in reality. But is there are there some anecdotes or tips you have on how to sort of really reflect on on narrowing that gap? Because I'm asking on a personal level here, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all about communication. Yeah, it's all about communication. So it's from my perspective, it's all about talks you have with each other in the beginning. So what's my system? I'm, I'm sharing my system here. Yeah. What we do is um, at iPotentials that really in the first days, I'm doing a cultural onboarding. So throughout this cultural onboarding, which I do myself, well, I still do it by myself because I want to show the passion, show the idea that's behind iPotentials and really ignite everyone who joined if they are not already but that's first thing so i'm doing cultural onboarding and i'm really explicit in this cultural onboarding about what's our strategy and why what is the structure that is resulting from that strategy so the people understand what they will see developed and that it's not just that because it kind of developed because but they see, okay, they have a plan. They are doing this because they have this idea. And then the third part of the cultural onboarding is talking about the working principles. So how do we want to interact with each other? Because those things are really important for our success. And that's the reason why we're talking about it. For example, for me personally, and for us at iPotentials, there's always this, this value of 100% honesty. We understood our consultancy never as, okay, client is doing is saying, I want this and this, and, and we're just delivering. We understood ourselves always as consultants, understanding the market better than the client. That's the reason why he or she is coming. Yeah, And that's the reason why we need to be honest and need to have the guts to be honest and that's the reason why I'm saying, okay, one of the core working principles we have is 100% honesty with each other in a team, with our clients, with our candidates, always 100% honesty. So that's one principle I'm showing them. And I'm showing how this principle connects to our success factors. And this is what's really important to allow everyone to understand, okay, why do we have those principles? and show them that there's always a why behind what we're giving them. And once people understand the why and the reason for what's there, it's easier for them to follow it because they understand why they would do it. It gives them the frame. So that's the cultural onboarding. Then they're having 
a manager onboarding. So they're having a talk with their own manager that they have. It's a one-in-one. And the manager, and this is the other tip and advice I wanted to give, it's always both-sided. So first of all, the manager is giving his or her expectations, saying, okay, that's the role, that's my expectation towards you, that's the reason why I decided for you as a candidate. And then it shifts, and then the new employee says, okay, here's my expectation, and here's the reason why I signed the contract you offered me. And having that honest and true and very clear conversation about the expectations we have and making sure we align on those expectations and make sure that we're coming up with a plan on meeting those expectations gives us a framework for the next weeks and years because we really start with clear expectations. And that's the the manager onboarding. And then they are having a practical onboarding, obviously, which I don't dive deeply in because most people who have onboarding have those, but they don't have the other points. Yeah, But that's the obvious part. And it's comparable to what I just said in recruiting. It's obvious that you're writing down the tasks and that you're deriving the skills, but there's more than tasks and skills. And the same is true for the onboarding. And what happens then throughout the first six months of someone in the company, they will have another set of talks. So they will have another talk with the manager after 100 days, so approximately three months. And it's a check-in talk, basically saying, okay, we had 100 days. How is it going? Is there a difference what you experienced to what were your expectations from both sides again? And checking in, and do you think it's the right one? Do we have to correct on some side? Can we correct, or is it that differing that we cannot correct because it's not always reasonable to change the whole company to meet the requirements of a single employee, at least not at a certain stage in the early days it's possible. But that's the thing we... And we can decide really early if it's going too far beyond, um, out of the common expectations, we could also say, okay, that's completely different to what we thought it is. We give ourselves like four weeks and if it's not changing, there's no reason to stick together because it's not about changing ourselves to make it fit. It's about making sure in the first six months that we are a fit. And then just before the six-month period ends, we're having another deep check-in saying, okay, probation ends for you and us. What's your thought about the company? Do you really want to check in? And what's our thoughts? And is there something that we need to be really clear in terms of expectation about? And if both sides, yes, we want to do that, then you have the best way and the best and solid basis for an interaction and for an, let's say, three to six monthly check-in with an employee afterwards and you're having a good talk basis then. And if people say, and this is what I'm really trying to, what's the word? Yeah, I really want to give companies and people the braveness to say, this is not what I expected, but not like after a year, but after three or six months. And be really clear about that in the very first days because you can assess it in the very first days. And the secret about a strong culture is not only excellent recruiting 
and excellent leadership, it's not being afraid of going separate ways. And I mean this again in a both-sided way, if it's not a fit and you can feel it. Yeah. And last thing, this also does not mean if it's not working, leave. Not at all. This is not what I want to say because I believe most people give up way too early. What I want to say is try to be very explicit and very reflective with each other. And once you're very explicit about what's there, which most people don't do, then try to work on it very specifically. And once you realized we made everything explicit, we tried to work on it, we tried to work on it, we really, really, really tried, and it still didn't work out, then be ready to separate, but don't do the thing of not making it explicit, not trying to work on it, just leaving. That's really not good. That's odd. And are there any, like, um, in your experience, your vast experience, what are one or two signals maybe that really indicate it's not the right fit? For, let's take the perspective of the candidate or the new hire, that it's just not the right fit for you. You join something and it's just not feeling right. What are some examples that you've experienced? Well, I have two questions. Basically, it's about trust. Yeah, It's about trusting each other. So one question I would ask my managers is, would you hire her or him again? And if they're not saying right ahead, yes, I said, okay, what's the reason for those five seconds you needed? And if they would say yes, right ahead, that's a pretty clear sign. Yeah, of course, it's not like the method, but it's a good approach. The second question I'm asking myself is, if I'm leaving on vacation now for three or four weeks, would I trust this person, even though he or she is new, to take the right decisions? Because I have the feeling that we are taking decisions on basis of the same criteria. Yeah, That's the other thing. So, for example, I'm a really quality-focused person, really, really, really quality-focused which is not the same as perfection. Yeah, People always throw it in, a, in one basket, but perfection is something different. I'm really quality-focused, and I had some people in my career that were really, really, really revenue-driven. And they said, yeah, but we don't need to optimize on that because the revenue is there anyways. And if I'm hearing this, I'm getting hundreds of red flags and that would be the moment when I would say, okay, the two or three weeks I'm there, please check in with this partner who is there because I would have the feeling that this person would not act on the way like we decided. And this would, to be clear on that, if I had this feeling, the person would know. And this is what I said about clear expectation management, because I would not have this in my mind, in my belly. The person would know, and it would, I would let him or her know that, to be really clear about that. And I would work with him or her on that constantly. And if it's not changing, then I would take action. And the third thing that is my signal for someone who is not a fit is sometimes we have the cultural onboarding. We explain it. People get it right ahead. And they're able to translate it without any further explanation. 
that's a really good sign because then you have a high cultural fit because people are able to understand what you're saying. In the moment when I explained the cultural onboarding and someone didn't get it and I see it, it's okay because it's not your task to understand everything once it's said. I can explain it another time and I can explain it another time. But if I see that there's no translation of what is valuable for me to someone else and we're putting energy in and energy in and energy in and we're still having different opinions, it's draining energy for both sides. And once I realize we're in this energy draining mode, this is a sign for, okay, that's not working because Managing an organization, leading an organization, working in an organization is all about energy management. If I'm losing my energies there, my lifetime is not invested there in a good way. If I'm losing my energy as a leader, I have to take responsibility. So that's the moment when I'm saying if we're losing energy, a lot of energy, and I'm not saying investment in an employee's energy drain, it's the opposite. If I'm investing in an employee and he or she can translate it, that's creating energy. But if we're having draining energy system, we have to react. Yeah, yeah, cool. Constance, if you could go back in time, this is sort of our one of our favorite questions because a lot of our audience are soon-to-be managers or first-time managers, right? These are people who are going to have lifetimes in management and leadership, and some are going to go on to be amazing, amazing leaders. And they're at the beginning of their journey. So if you could go back to the beginning of your journey and give yourself one or two leadership tips what would they be? Yeah, well, maybe not that actionable, but the most important tip I can give a leader is dare to be you. Because you're the strongest leader if you manage to be really authentic. If you understand yourself in a really good way, because only if you understand yourself and understand what's triggering you, what's driving you, you're able to take rational decisions and become a really mature leader. Mature in terms of unconsciously reacting on what's triggering me, but I'm consciously reflecting on my triggers, my motivations, and I'm bringing this into relation with the responsibility I have for the team, for the individual and the whole company and align in that space, really understand who you are, what's triggering you, what's motivating you, what's your responsibility, and then dare to be you and trust yourself. You're the strongest when you're closest to yourself and really explicit about yourself and able to explain someone who you are, what you expect, and how it is working with you. Yeah, that's one thing. And the other thing, which is pretty close to that, is full transparency about everything. Full transparency about everything. There's no reason in hiding something that's putting stress on your side on the employee side, on the team side, they can take it. Yeah, It's not our goal to protect our team. It's our goal to lead our team and 
you know, order to allow them taking great action, they need to have all the information. Awesome. Awesome. And maybe one follow up on that. How do you balance this? You know, I think a lot of new managers and new leaders are in the process of defining themselves, right? And understanding themselves. Everyone, I think, has a different heuristic here, but like, what is your heuristic or what is your rule of thumb for understanding who you are versus wanting to grow for others in the most sort of like servant leadership type of way? Is there a, in your experience, have you found a line or some sort of rule of thumb to use to tap into authenticity that is powerful, but at the same time, be open to growth for, for your team, but also your co-founders, your fellow leaders that you're working with? Mm -hmm. Well, my rule of thumb is that you should be focusing on those topics where your ambition differs a lot from your real actions. So if you're thinking about, or like if your ambition is to react in a certain way or to act in a certain way, and you realize that you're like someone, something's hindering you to do it and you're trying to work on it and you're still not able to change it, then that's the moment of time when you should realize, okay, there is something that's beyond my consciousness and I should start working on that and focusing on that and trying to be really curious to find out what's there that is hindering to do what I put on my goal list. And that would be the moment when I'm saying, try around a little bit and find out what's best for you. Maybe meditation is something really good. Maybe an app <laughs> that uh, gives you <laughs> a reflection is a really good thing, which is a good thing because it's making explicit a lot of things. Maybe it's a coach. And I'm really asking everyone to be really curious about this, being brave, because looking at those topics takes a lot of braveness and, and courage, so to say, because obviously your unconscious brain didn't want to look there because there's some pain. But I can tell you behind the pain, there's a lot of gain. <laughs> so that's I mean, it's not really like a method, but but that's what I could advise. If there's something holding you back from implementing your ambitions that you have in your mind, go into it, dig deep into it. There's a lot of gain beyond it for yourself, but also for the people you're having responsibility for. Awesome. That is... Um... I could not agree more. And that gives me, it's like the target zone, right? Like dig in where your, your intended ambitions and the actions are not meeting your actual actions. That is the target zone. And that's where the growth is. Like that is a awesome mental model. And it does take guts, but I think that's the raw material for larger leadership, right? It, it all takes guts, but I think it starts with that ability to dig into that, that shoot into that target zone and just experiment within it. But that's a very tough question, I think, for young leaders. Where do I dig and do I just be myself or even if I'm kind of harsh for others, it's like, how do you balance all of that being there for others and being there for yourself? And I think that's just a great, a great, uh, memorable bit, at least for me personally. Exactly. And it's accepting that it's a way or like, um, a journey that you are taking as a leader. 
Yeah, because in order to be a great leader, of course, it's important to understand what the difference between management and leadership is about. And most young leaders start with management, basically, and they think management in terms of organizing and delegation and things like that is leadership. Yeah, And it's okay to learn the basics and learn the methods, like those talks that I was talking about, doing the basics really good. And once you're doing this, you're on a journey, you're getting on a journey on yourself and you're realizing a lot about yourself. And if you're courageous enough to not only look on the teams and the employees side, but only uh, not, sorry, but also on, on, on your side, that's the secret to becoming a great leader then and uh, to daring to be really authentic and transparent. And this is what we need today. Yeah, we um, Today's challenges that we have need strong leaders. It's not enough to be a manager. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well, on that note, I was going to ask you what leaders need today more than ever before, but that's uh, beautifully said. And on that note, I think we'll uh, we'll call it a day. Constanza, this has been jam-packed full of, it's like we walked through the employee life cycle together with tons of tons of anecdotes and, and actionability and um, takeaways. And I can't wait to kind of distill all this for for the audience. And, and there's a ton of growth in here for a lot of folks, so including myself, which is always a good sign. So Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, until next time. Thank you so much, Constanza. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Teams at Work. Let us know what your thoughts are on today's episode. You can find us on Twitter at Daria Gutnick and at Anthony A. Rio. Or simply follow Bunch at Bunch underscore HQ. And don't forget, subscribe if you like the episode, because we always have interesting guests join us and share valuable knowledge as well as actionable advice. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from you. Please do get in touch. At the beginning of the show, we did mention that we're building an AI leadership coach that helps you level up as a leader in just two minutes a day. Check us out on the Apple App Store and simply search Bunch Leadership Coach to find it. Try it out and let us know what you think. And that's a wrap. We're your hosts, Daria Gutnick and Anthony Rio, and we're excited to speak with you all soon. Till next time.